You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for being here. President-elect Donald Trump will inherit a long list of difficult foreign policy challenges the day he walks into the White House. In the Middle East alone, Syria's civil war continues to claim tens of thousands of lives and leaves the balance of the world power in question. There's political instability in Turkey and in Yemen. ISIS still holds large portions of land in Iraq and in Syria. And of course, the Arab-Israeli conflict shows no sign of ending anytime soon. These conflicts have also forced thousands and thousands of people from their homes, creating a massive refugee crisis to deal with in Europe and here in America. How does Trump, who is focused on punishing America's enemies through military strength and keeping refugees and immigrants out of this country, handle these situations now that he is going to be the president of the United States. Stephen Simon served as a senior director for Middle Eastern and North African Affairs at the White House advising President Obama on U.S.-Israeli relations throughout the Arab Spring. And he's the author of Our Separate Ways, The Struggle for the Future of the U.S.-Israeli Alliance. He joins me now to talk about what to expect out of a Trump administration. Stephen Simon, welcome to Detroit Today. Glad to be here. Yes. Uh, and if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or hashtag us on Twitter at uh, Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Tell us what you think about Donald Trump handling these thorny issues in the Middle East. He has talked during the campaign about some pretty aggressive behavior with regard uh, to the parties that we have relationships with there and with the the people who are leaving that region trying to come to to the United States uh, to get away from conflicts that in many cases uh, we hold some responsibility for. What do you think of what the Donald Trump administration could do in that area? What do you think they will do, particularly if you are of Middle East descent, if you're someone in this community who came here from that region or whose family came here from this region? Uh, How concerned are you about a Donald Trump administration and the things that he has said about immigrants and refugees from that region coming to this country. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. 313-577-1019. Stephen Simon, uh, I I, I covered a lot of ground there in the open. A lot of different countries, a lot of different issues, all in one region of the world. Uh, Give me a sort of elevator sort of pitch about what we should Uh, be concerned about or what we should be hopeful for in the coming administration with regard to this region? Well, you know, in this on on Middle Eastern issues, Trump hasn't been, uh, you know, all that articulate, um, with a couple of exceptions. Uh, The one, uh, and this, I think, is the flagship issue, uh, is what the administration does vis-a-vis the uh, nuclear agreement that was negotiated uh, by uh, a group of nations, including the United States, with Iran. Um, uh, he has expressed uh, great skepticism about the agreement uh, and has threatened to tear it up. Yes, uh, He's appointed a couple of people to his uh, immediate team who, are, uh, who share that skepticism. Uh, and one of whom who has advocated bombing Iran 
Um, so that's that's really question number one. Uh, if if he does uh, abrogate the agreement or withdraw the United States from it or tear it up in somehow or set in motion um, uh, collateral policies that push the Iranians uh, in abrogating it, uh, then I think uh, the risk of war in the Middle East goes up um, uh, considerably. That's yeah. uh, that's number one yeah. on Syria. <clears throat> excuse me. On Syria, his his main thing seems to be the counterterrorism dimension of of the crisis, and and I think from that perspective, he regards um, the Assad regime as an ally, as he does um, uh, Russia, which is supporting the Assad regime. Yeah. Uh, how much of that is a misread of what's really going on in Syria? I mean, he has said that a couple times that he. He sees Russia as a potential ally in in that country. Uh, the Obama administration saw it really differently. Well, the Obama administration uh, occupied, I think, uh, something of a middle ground on this point. Um, uh, once the Russians moved in, uh, it was it was a done deal. There was nothing that was going to get them out. And I think the Obama administration's instinct was to see if they could make. Uh, lemonade out of those lemons (laughs) by trying to fashion a cooperative arrangement with the Russians uh, that um, that wouldn't be supportive of the Assad regime, but would uh, take another chunk out of ISIS. Uh, That hasn't worked out all that well for various uh, for various reasons. Uh, um, uh, Trump goes much further uh, in that direction by by regarding the Assad regime as uh, as the as the, as the guy in the conflict that wears the white hat. Right, right. Uh, and I, one thing I wonder about is is how different uh, how different Donald Trump is likely to be as president dealing with these things on a daily basis uh, with all of the information that the president of the United States is privy to and the the sort of rhetoric he engaged in during the campaign, which, of course, and this is not necessarily his fault, um, you know, is as an outsider, is as somebody seeking the job and, more importantly, seeking the votes to get to do the job. Uh, there's always some attenuation uh, once, once someone sits in that chair in the Oval Office. I wonder if that might be more dramatic uh, or is likely to be more dramatic in this case because – so much of what he said during the campaign was so aggressive. It might be. I mean, new administrations, <coughs> excuse me, new administrations come in and, uh, you know, they've got a year in which to uh, enact their campaign rhetoric. And during that period, oftentimes the campaign rhetoric collides with reality uh, and they adjust. And uh, in those cases, you can have a situation where 18 months into the administration, a lot of the people who came in, uh, at the very beginning, leave and uh, more pragmatic souls um, occupy their their seats. Um, whether that will happen in this case is 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 really hard to to see. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got it, it, Trump has friends in the region who I think would greatly um, uh, endorse. Uh, his stance towards Iran, for example, the Saudis and the Israelis uh, in particular. Um, and and in Congress, there's a lot of support for uh, Trump's confrontational stance towards Iran. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there's a lot of congressional opposition to his stance toward Russia. Uh, 
um, uh, Congress is very skeptical of the Russians, and they're looking for a more belligerent stance toward Moscow, uh, rather than uh, the kind of position that Trump seems to have staked out. So it's kind of, it's, it's hard to see where things will go. But for the next year or so, uh, the administration's instincts uh, will regulate uh, its foreign policy uh, actions. And I expect, uh, you know, things to be pretty choppy. Yeah. Okay, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about foreign policy in the Trump administration. And, of course, we want to hear from you. We're going to talk about uh, the relationship with Israel next. We're also going to talk about refugees and immigrants. Donald Trump has had some very strong words about how he would like to pursue those policies. Is that something he's likely to do in the White House? And how do you feel about that in this region, one home to one of the largest populations of people from the Middle East? 31357. 1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I am Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for joining us. My guest is Stephen Simon. He was a senior director for Middle Eastern and North African Affairs at the White House, advising President Obama on U.S.-Israeli relations throughout the Arab Spring. He's also the author of Our Separate Ways, The Struggle for the Future of the U.S.-Israeli alliance. We are talking about the Middle East in the incoming Trump administration. How will policy look different in places like Iran or Israel, Saudi Arabia or Syria? What will happen uh, with the many thousands of refugees who are leaving that region to try to come to places like America to escape conflicts in the region? Donald Trump had some very strong language during the campaign about how he would handle all of those issues, is that likely to be the blueprint for the policymaking he will do as president? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Stephen, uh, the Israeli, uh, the relationship with Israel itself Last week, uh, we had a, a member of the Jewish community here in the in Detroit on the program to talk about some of the fear that uh, he's hearing about uh, with regard to some of the things that Donald Trump has said, some of the people he's put around him. Uh, he, there is also some optimism, though, I think, uh, out of the Jewish community about uh, some of the the things that he may do in specific in specific with regard to the relationship with Israel. One is moving the the embassy from Tel Aviv to uh, Jerusalem. Talk about why that's that's important. Well, just about everybody uh, who campaigns for president says during the campaign that they would uh, at least consider moving the U.S. embassy to <laughs> right. Jerusalem. The United States uh, doesn't regard uh, Jerusalem as a settled issue in terms of the Arab-Israeli peace process. Yeah. And therefore, 
uh, won't put its embassy there or hasn't put its embassy there. Uh, but actually, there's nothing stopping uh, a Trump administration from doing that, assuming that uh, the Israelis give it the OK. And I assume the Israelis would give it the OK, even though the uh, Netanyahu government hasn't reacted with notable enthusiasm uh, to the proposal. Uh, so, um, you know, he could well do that. But this is one of the mixed signals that uh, the Trump uh, campaign uh, and Trump himself uh, have deployed because on the one hand, you know, he's decried alliances, um, or at least the current U.S. alliance system, because he feels that it's the product of bad deals, um, that these alliance arrangements are somehow fee-for-service um, uh, deals, yes. and that the United States provides services and it's not compensated adequately by the people who, by its allies who uh, receive U.S. protection. Uh, that being the case, one would think, um, you know, he'd want to take another look at the U.S. assistance program uh, for Israel. And I think some people are a bit worried about that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, his government and the temper of his government uh, aligns pretty well with the temper of the current Israeli government. And uh, moreover, the Trump team has never really expressed um, you know, any interest in the plight of the Palestinians or the future of a Palestinian state or a two-state solution uh, more broadly. And I think uh, the the current government uh, in Israel is quite comfortable with that. They really like that. Um, uh, they see a pretty, a, a pretty smooth sailing, really, for the next four years because of Trump's lack of interest in this. Now, Trump has said that, um, you know, he would try and get a deal between the Palestinians and Israelis and seems to have appointed uh, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who's an Orthodox Jew, to, to handle that yes. task. But, um, uh, you know, the, the theory behind it is really unclear. In other words, the negotiating basis, how he thinks he would get an agreement, seems, um, you know, it's all too vague right now. I expect nothing much will uh, will come of that. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Ed. He's got a question uh, on this very topic. Ed in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Wonderful conversation, Stephen. Your oh, guest you. has pretty much uh, dealt with what I was going to ask. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I would only say that this is an issue that's vexed. Uh, U.S. presidents and secretaries of state since 1967. I, I recall vividly the day the, the Six-Day War broke out. The headline in the free press that morning was about the attempt to have talks between Israel and Egypt over the Straits of Tehran uh, issue. Egypt was threatening to close the Straits. And the headline in the afternoon Detroit News some of us are old enough to remember. <laughs> that that was, was an afternoon paper, paper, right? An afternoon paper. That's right. <laughs> the headline in the afternoon Detroit News was War in the Middle East. Yeah. Because between the time the free press went to bed in the morning and the news hit the streets in the in the early uh, early afternoon, uh, he closed the Straits of Tehran and there was a gunfire between Israel and East and of course the Egyptians bullied the Jordanians into helping them, uh, and the Syrians into helping them, and and as a consequence, Syria lost the Golan Heights, and sure. Jordan lost the West Bank. Yeah. So I uh, I'm intrigued when, you know, uh, then Prince Abdullah, later King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia, offered a a proposal that 
that effectively would have uh, um, gone back to the status quo of, of pre-war mortars, yeah. 67, and set up a Palestinian state on the West Bank and the Gaza Strip and divided Jerusalem uh, so it would become the capital of both Israel and uh, Palestine right. in some fashion. Uh, but if the embassy gets moved to to Jerusalem, I'm wondering whether your guest has any thoughts on how the Arab states, in particular how Saudi Arabia, might respond to such a move, yeah. and to what extent can the Palestinians be forced into being cooperative yeah. if they see their hopes for a capital city Spear. Right. Uh, Ed, wonderful, wonderful question. Uh, Stephen Simon, uh, go ahead. I think that the short answer is that uh, the public uh, stance uh, that Arab neighbors of Israel would take would be quite hostile. Um, uh, and, you know, more problematically, I think you'd see unrest on the West Bank. Yes. And yes. Uh, if that happened, uh, the Israelis would have to restore order, uh, and uh, that process could entail uh, significant um, violence. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Ken in Warren. Ken, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Stephen. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, I just wanted to express, uh, I'm Middle Eastern, I'm 19. I want to express my feelings on Trump's rhetoric and what mm -hmm. I feel are uh, other people's uh, feelings, my community's uh, opinions about the rhetoric of Donald Trump. Uh -huh. I just wanted to say uh, I feel very alienated from a lot of Trump supporters because I really feel like they don't really encounter Middle Eastern people or Muslims in their daily life and yet believe uh, what Donald Trump says about them, what other conservative uh, people say about them. And I really feel like that ignorance comes out of just not knowing anything about Muslim people or anything about Middle Eastern culture. And I really feel like it's because in their communities, they don't have those kind of people, so they never experience them. Yeah. So I just want to say uh, to those people, you know, go out to Dearborn, go out to Hamtramck, uh, pick up a book about Middle Eastern history, read about it, because it's an amazing culture and very long history. And I feel like if they were to read about it and to understand it, uh, they would have different opinions about it. Yeah, it's also a very diverse community. One of the things that I think people don't all automatically assume. I mean, there are, there are many different uh, nationalities. Of course, there are many different beliefs uh, represented among among uh, people from the Middle East. It's not a it's not a monolith. And and sometimes in our I think our rhetoric, we we tend to imply that perhaps it is. Uh, Ken, let me ask you quickly. What are you What are you anticipating from this administration? Are you Are you hopeful? Are you fearful about uh, the possibility of some of the things that he said he might do? Uh, <clears throat> look, uh, I think the stigmatization um, of Islam and Muslims uh, by the president-elect and, and his team is going to be very problematic uh, on the international scene. Uh, the United States has, uh, you know, friends and allies in the region who are, you know, they're, they're, they're both Arab and Muslim, and some of these countries, uh, uh, you know, regulate their societies uh, in part 
you know, through Islam or their interpretation of, of Islamic law. And, you know, Saudi Arabia is a significant, you know, example. Now, how, uh, the, United, how the United States is going to maintain cooperative relationships with these important countries while at the same time uh, deriding uh, their culture uh, and religion uh, is, uh, you know, it's a bit hard to understand uh, at this stage. And, um, you know, I do think in terms of the president-elect's immigration stance, um, that too will be problematic because it will fuel uh, perceptions uh, in the region, uh, in particular, or Muslims from the region living uh, in Europe, um, that that the United States is really at war with Islam uh, and and with Muslims. And I think, you know, that will go a long way towards, um, you know, sustaining uh, the kind of uh, alienation and violence uh, that um, that's characterized uh, that that part of the world and its problematic relations with the U.S. for a number of years. So, um, you know, I foresee substantial problems down yeah. the road. Yeah. Okay. Stephen Simon, uh, senior, former senior director for Middle Eastern and North African Affairs at the White House, advising President Obama, also author of Our Separate Ways, The Struggle for the Future of the U.S.-Israeli Alliance. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Pleasure was all mine. Thank Absolutely. you. Uh, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. See you tomorrow. Thank you.